We're talking away. I don't know what. I'm to say I'll say it anyway. Today's another day to find you. Shying away. I'll be coming for your love, okay? Kids on bikes. All right. Welcome back to Kids on Bikes, everybody. Kids on bikes. Thank you so much uh, for being into that. It makes me so happy. I'm going to be your gamekeeper, Caleb Cleveland. Uh, I'm joining me today, we have the amazing Joe Camacho. Hello, everyone. I'll be playing Harrison Kunth, your friendly neighborhood hall monitor. That's right. And joining us uh, for the first time on Kids on Bikes, we have the amazing Dave Wright as... I'm Mike Cochran, and I will punch you right in the dick! He probably would, too. Well done, Dave. That was fantastic. Thank you all for having me. <laughs> it's, it's our pleasure. Now, we're uh, taking a little bit of, a, uh, of an aside with today's episode of Kids on Bikes so that we can spend our few quality uh, moments with these two miscreant runaways. What they are is they've chosen uh, you're to... You're talking about the new sheriff in town there, buddy, so get your get your mind right before you start interest- introducing me as a hooligan, okay? You are absolutely right. I am so sorry there, Harrison. Uh, they It's law and order all the way for these two. Well... I don't know about that law part, but I'm sure as hell ready to bring some order, god dang it. Well done, Mike. The last time we saw them, they had uh, run uh, uh, from the refuse room, being pursued by a virtual tsunami of uh, assorted animated toy parts. They had infiltrated the enormous giant teepee, the infamous teepee of the town of Oboyono. Having done so, they discovered that there was a lot more to it than just an enormous monument to the now long disappeared uh, Native Americans that once lived there. Turns out there was a uh, an underground complex dedicated to the winner of a, a long won and uh, nearly forgotten contest in the town of Obiano. Now infiltrating it in order to discover the uh, origins of their mysterious friend Electrolyte, uh, they found themselves in a room filled with organized chaos, uh, with the broken remains of hundreds or perhaps even thousands of broken and forgotten toys. Which and I broke a few more of them too. <laughs> after discovering that they were moving on their own, Harrison and Mike here decided to distract a, a, an enormous part of them to separate their enemy on two fronts and go running headlong down a, a darkened corridor that looked like it had once been like an, some sort of uh, underground river or uh, water feature in this long forgotten room. And they had been pursued, even now, by an enormous tidal wave of broken refuse, forgotten toys, hissing, screaming, winding, chirping, beeping, that is hot on their heels. Both of you need to roll me a flight check. I got a D10 and I rolled a 7. Not bad. Uh, Harrison, that is that is your strongest suit. You are 100% a, a runner away from, from uh, confrontation. This is, you are in your element. Someone has to run and tell the principal when things happen, so why not me, the hall monitor? <laughs> You're a little bitch, boy, that's why. That's why you gonna flight. Mike, Mike, easy, bud. I know I know there's good in you, bud. It's I- all right, you're my bitch, boy. <laughs> Punches him in the arm. 
Ah, son of a bitch. As you are hauling ass down this darkened corridor, there is a, it, it's quickly becoming uh, pitch black as the wave blots out the light from the room back where uh, your friends uh, were, uh, where before they were being slowly pincered in by this enormous wave. I have a uh, d20 and I rolled an 11. Not bad. Okay, so my turn here. I'm going to see if I can roll this for this enormous swarm of uh, animated and hungry detritus. All right, enough to you. That was, uh, that's awful. Harrison, I would like you to explain to me uh, how you evade this enormous wave of mutilated toys. So as we're running, I'm knocking over debris. I'm using the flare to attempt to set any flammable items I see on fire. And uh, if any of them get too close or start attacking us, I will hit them off with the shotgun I'm carrying. All right, fantastic. Oh, so you use it sort of like a like a cudgel or a bat? Yeah, I give them a little butt stroke right across their, their face there. Mike, you are running behind uh, Harrison. He grabs uh, a... Out of his pocket, he pulls a uh, what appears to be a, a like a nautical flare gun, some sort of emergency flare, and he launches it straight into back into the wave, uh, creating a enormous plume of uh, smoke and uh, orange flame. It's uh, blinding for a split sec, but then there's like this hideous recoiling shriek as the mound of flesh-hungry toys, uh, the uh, mutilated wave of, of monstrosities reacts to the flame and to the light. And it gives you and Harrison a moment to find, as well as a, a little bit of illumination, to, uh, to duck down so that they might be able to avoid you, or that you could avoid them, rather. Uh, immediately to your left, you guys see that it wasn't, you didn't see it before, this enormous concrete tube that you're in, again, it kind of looks like a, like a, some sort of a sewer or a, a, or a storm drain, uh, that there is like some sort of access tunnel immediately to your left that you didn't see before. All right, so I'm gonna push Harrison in there, and as I see the light from the flame of the fire, it ignites my eyes in a joyous, <laughs> joyous rebellion and it just reminds me of pure destruction and as I stiff arm Harrison into the hole I take one of those last leaping dives almost as if to tackle him into it more so uh, to help us both out but also to let him know that I will hurt him Jesus <laughs> I know uh, Harrison you uh, he love taps you into the uh, this access tunnel slash uh, hatch Immediately afterwards, your plan was perfectly executed, as you knew, well, as best as it could be. A split second later, the flare, carried along by the momentum of this undulating blob of carnage, follows down the, uh, the path that you, that you guys were on a split second earlier. You can hear the hissing, the grinding of gears and buttons and bleeping of uh, electronic noises as the, uh, you know, the enormous conflagration of broken teddy bears, toys, wind-up dolls slowly passes you by, the hallway sort of fades into sort of a dull white noise. You can dimly hear the echoes of the, uh, the toys further down the, uh, this corridor, this channel, hunting for you. 
but for the moment you have given them the slip. Mike, these things uh, don't appear to have dicks. I don't know how you're going to kill all of them. Oh, if they got them, I'll find them. I will find them. (laughs) Mike Cochran, Dick Hunter. And don't you make fun of the fact that I got cock in my name, god dang it. I swear to Christ, I will punch you into a whole nother world, god damn it. Believe me, I know that, Michael. My dick still fills the pain from several months ago. I ain't done with you yet, boy. <laughs> well, where should we go? Where should we head to uh, I mean, get back with our friends? I'm assuming we hopefully save their lives. Well, since there ain't nothing in front of me to punch, why don't you lead the way? <laughs> Harrison looks down the corridor. Does it lead anywhere? Uh, that The one that they kind of tucked it themselves into? With the flare have been carried away, I don't think you have any uh, source of elimination. Check your... Do you have a character sheet in front of you? I do. I have a flashlight. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, so... Why don't I... So what I do is I illuminate. As I tell him to shut up, I turn on my flashlight and hold my fist over it so it illuminates my hand. Kind of reminds me of that cartoon character, Iron Fist. (laughs) <laughs> you make a, uh, a beautiful uh, shadow puppet of your hand. Uh, for a split second, uh, Harrison, you thought he was going to go for like a, a, you know, a little dog or a duck or something. But in t- instead, it turns out to be a giant veiny uh, fist. And uh, it's, you, know, it, you can interpret that as you will. Impressive. The flashlight illuminates this side corridor that you find yourself in. Again, you can hear very distantly, further down the corridor that you were heading down before, distant hisses or and, and grinding noises of the pursuing toys. But now, it, what's a little bit louder is just the sound of dripping water and the just gentle electric buzz of, uh, of Mike's flashlight. It's a, again, it's a concrete tunnel. This one seems to be filled with a little bit more rubble. Uh, there are broken pieces of concrete around your, uh, uh, around your feet. Uh, some of them pierced with various lengths of rebar, but it continues to uh, head forward and it looks like it arcs slowly to the left. It disappears uh, in an arc about 25 yards further up. Mike, these are uh, hallways. This is my territory. I'll, I'll take point here. Alright, I'll stand behind you here. Anything tries to sneak up on you, I will kick the shit out of it. And if anything comes in front of us, I'm just going to yell really loud and let you punch it right in the dick. And I will kick the shit out of it. <laughs> Mike, you, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm loving this, uh, this energy. This, this is beautiful. I'm fueled by anger, dang it. I am angry and I am fueled with anger. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with it. Dave, were you, were you an angry kid when you were in high school? Uh, no, I was like the Ferris Bueller. Oh, really? You were the most popular kid? I got along with everybody, and when I was, uh, uh, I was captain of the wrestling team and also got along with the druggies, the nerds, the geeks. They all think he's a real cool dude. People looked at him and were like, wow, that dude fucks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I don't want to brag, but I did have a 78 Chevy Caprice when I was a sophomore. Wow. Good God. I had the uh, I had an '89 uh, Honda POS, so that was pre- that's my call to glory. That guy definitely doesn't fuck. 
Yeah, that wasn't American. I don't buy things that ain't American. This is Mike does not buy shit like that. Yeah, DNF does not fuck. That was pretty much tattooed <laughs> on my forehead. <laughs> I was also an actor when I was younger too, so it was uh, I was a weird mix. I was a I was the lead in choir and also captain of the wrestling team, so I kind of got along with everybody. I wonder what that would be like. Anyway, back to our game. <laughs> um, <laughs> If I had confidence, it would have been a lot more getting laid. <laughs> Instead, it was a lot of, this is awkward for me. I'm insecure. Everybody's really large, and I'm a short dude. So uh, it, it turned into a lot of smoking weed and making friends with bigger people. By the way, I don't normally have this twang. It's just stuck with me now because of Mike. As we've learned in the pa- in past episodes, he's kind of an infectious character. You love to hate me, but you're going to love me. <laughs> All right, so Harrison, you continue to, uh, uh, you take point immediately right behind you. You feel, rather, the presence of Mike Cochran's dick-punching ability. It gives you, like, a a feeling of, I don't want to uh, telegraph your emotions or anything like this, uh, Harrison. But it does make you feel, for the first time in a while, that your authority actually has a little bit of weight to it. He's feeling that dick-punching energy is what it is. It's kind of cool. You guys are continuing to walk for a while. The hallway continues to arc to the left further and further. There are no visible light sources other than Mike's flashlight. You continue walking for what seems to be 10 minutes. Do you just walk in silence or uh, is there, who would like to break the, the, the silence first? So this is when I'm going to take my... Uh, I've got a couple different things in my possession here. I've got a city map with mysterious sights marked on it. Mm-hmm. I've got my binoculars and my walkie-talkie. So at this point, I kind of don't know what's going on with that map. So I want to roll it up and just kind of give uh, give Harrison a little dick check, just a little smack in a dick. And as I do that and he winces over in pain, I hand him the, the map and say, you think this going to help us? Oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, let me, let me uh, take a look there. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Harrison, you you mask your pain with honest curiosity as you look over at the rolled up map that uh, Mike just handed to you. It's emotional pain, more than physical pain. You can definitely tell that Mike was pulling his, his tap. I felt like I was breaking through though. Sometimes being tough means being tender. Well, you just take a look at that map there, buddy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change him, I'm, I'm gonna change him. You'll see. You know what, you ain't half bad. Aw, Harrison. Aw, thanks man, that's... It's the first compliment you've ever given me. And I punch him real hard in the arm. It's like, don't you get used to it, little bitch. Oh, fuck. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> Again, more emotional pain than physical pain, but at the same time, uh, yeah, he definitely, he nailed you in like some sort of nerve cluster there. Your, your arm went numb for a split second. He's just so good with his hands. Anyway, town map unrolls in front of you, and you can definitely see that Mike, as a sort of a tertiary member of the town conspiracy theories club has in a variety of different pens sort of marked out places of interest it's very hard to tell which one is most interesting because the places the thing just looks like the side of a friggin subway car it is covered in in mike's scrawl you can definitely tell where you might be it's sort of like a landmark map it's not it's not really to scale or anything but you can definitely see the uh four-story teepee well marked and a variety of different theories surrounding it. That it was on a uh, Indian barrel ground, all sorts of things, and that it's you know fairly close to the city center. Is this a homemade map or? No, no, this is like a, a local tourist map. No, this is a, a, a tourist map that he has uh, decorated. 
Mike, uh, I see a lot of cool decorations on here, but, uh, you know that business isn't spelled this way, right? What'd you say to me? I, I just want to help. Like, letters go in proper orders in order to you make words, so, Keep uh, it up and let's see what happens to you, smart boy. There, there's this thing called dyslexia. I want to make sure you don't have it. That That's all. You worry about your dang self. Right, I'm over here shadow boxing. <laughs> all right, let, let me figure out a way for us to, to get out of this place. You look at that thing because you're smarter than me. I'm over here just imagining the way I'm going to cock punch the next son of a bitch that comes my way. Oh, dear God. Mike is fired up. I something about getting... These robots got me going. Yeah, getting getting pursued by a bunch of animated teddy bears and toys definitely... I don't know. So, something has clicked in, in Mike Cochran. I feel like this might be something I'm really good at. Finally, something I'm really good at. And maybe, if I'm really good at it, people start loving me. <laughs> Wait, what did I just say? Never mind. Can I make a brains roll here to try to figure out where we are in relation to this map? You absolutely can. Uh, I have a d12 in that. I will roll now. And I got a 7 on a d12. It wouldn't have been more than like a 6. You are definitely... <laughs> well. It, That's Mike's max. I've taken my full mental capacities to be able to look at this thing. <laughs> Time passes weird down here. You feel like you have not gone further than the teepee. But given the fact that you guys have been walking, you do a quick bit of mental arithmetic in which you sort of calculate the size of this curve that you guys have been navigating. And you realize that that dripping sound faded and then sort of became back. So you guys have been walking in a circle. This is not just a storm drain. You are circling around what appears to be, and if, and if your math is right, the perimeter of the teepee above you. And do I remember which side the entrance was on? It would be on your right side, but you haven't seen an exit. And where do I think I am now? Well, it's really hard to tell. Uh, you haven't passed the uh, tunnel where you came into this yet, so you probably haven't made a full circuit. But the noises are slowly getting louder, so it probably is just up ahead. All right, let's let's push on there, Michael. I feel like uh, not too much further, and we might come up on an opening in this tunnel. Did you just call me Michael? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Miss, Mr. Cochran. Let's, let's push on. I'm going to let that one slide. Let's go. Sure enough, within about 30 seconds or so, the echoes of the corridor that you're in change, and you recognize the uh, the darkness just up ahead, and uh, that familiar grinding noise of the pursuant toys. They it's coming from the opposite direction. Before it was coming from your left. Now it's coming from your right. Uh, directly across from where you're standing is the and your eyes have now sort of adjusted to the dim light of Mike's flashlight. You can see the the access corridor that you first went into in order to avoid getting basically eviscerated by that wave of uh, makeshift toys. So I reach over to Harrison and I grab his arm real quick and I give him a quick look and go, <laughs> that's where I shoved you down here. Remember? Yes, uh, br brilliant move, sir. I, I appreciate it so very much. You're, you're again my lord and savior. <laughs> oh, I love hearing that. Also, directly ahead, uh, you can see it illuminated the, from the POV of where you are right now. Sorry, the POV, the point of view of where you're standing. You can see. Oh, we all knew what you meant by POV, don't you, Larry? I got you porn too. Oh dear. <laughs> I don't. 
I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't appreciate the, uh, the, 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 the yeah, I do too. Anyway, um, <laughs> so anyway, directly across the, uh, the corridor here, you can, you can see that familiar pile of broken concrete and rebar that you passed once on your way in. I would like both of you to make a brains roll. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no. What you laughing at there, uh, narrator boy? Absolutely nothing. I'm so intimidated right. by this work of fiction. I'm going to roll my D6. <laughs> and I got a three. Beautiful. You look across there and you're like, yep, those are broken blocks. Hey, wait a second. I just realized if you look at this sideways, this three looks like boobs. <laughs> boobs. <laughs> oh, God, it's going to be the longest day of my life. You got a problem with that? No, boobs are great. I, I like boobs as well, Mr. Cochran. I rolled a d12, and I got a 6. All right, Harrison, again, in the light of Michael's uh, flashlight, he was making a beautiful, exquisite Arabic numeral 3, which looks, as he pointed out, much like a set of boobs in a flashlight. Oh, Mike, here, I I got a flashlight, too. Here, hold both of them together, and you'll have uh, two boob lights, dude. (laughs) Look at these! (laughs) Now you're doing the things right, boy! Right, just, just illuminate this so I can look at it a little better with both those uh, boob lights, please. How about you just tell me to flash my boobs your way? Because <laughs> they're flashlights, and they look like boob. Here you go. Uh, I, I'm going to go on a, on a limb here and say Harrison almost blushes. Uh, it's great <laughs> in my head, in, in Harrison's head, he'll think, Wow, it's great to see him smile. I haven't seen that in such a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is actually kind of endearing. The fact that he is sort of softening up in his crass and vulgar way, and yet you can't look away from him. On the other side of the corridor, the noise coming from the opposite side now, and perhaps if Echo could be playing tricks with your ears, it seems to be getting a little bit louder. You have a bit of insight. You look at broken bits of concrete on the ground, and you angle the flashlight up. And sure enough, directly above the pile of rubble that you and Mike surmounted a little while ago, you can see very clearly a hole that has been torn into the concrete with various bars of rebar bending out of it as though there was some sort of structural damage to this area. And there's a large black hole leading upward. Some of the pieces of rebar are angled in such a way that you might be able to use them to grab and climb your way up into the hole. Mike, I uh, think I might see a way out of here. Uh, Give me back my flashlight real quick. Now I only got one boob. <laughs> oh, wait, what are you trying to do? Uh, let, let me look up this hole. I, I think I see uh, we might have a way out with uh, some of this rebar. And we might be able to climb our way through or out. Uh, just I need to look up here and see what I can see. All right. As you step forward one step towards the opening of that T intersection with the storm drain or water drain, the water channel that you had before, a pair of chattering teeth mounted on a pair of Barbie legs rattle past you and they are going to try and see if they can spot you. So I quickly reach back and I cover Mike's mouth, or excuse me, cover Harrison's mouth, and say, shut your cooth up. And then I wait till one of it comes by and I stomp <laughs> on it as hard as fuck until the legs split and the jaws are wired shut. Okay, you roll fight, Mike, and your, uh, your difficulty is gonna be what I roll for this creature's uh, ability to spot you. I got a 15 either way. Holy smokes. Well, you beat the crap out of that. So, uh, Of course Mike- I did. So as it comes by, I, I 
put my big old open palm and I put it right over Harrison's mouth to shut him up. And as I do so, I just kind of sit and watch, almost like, you know, that movie Predator, when he's sitting up in the tree and he's just making that noise. You know what I mean? That's exactly what happens. So I'm sitting there and I wait for this thing and as it one step, two step, three steps closer, and then I just jump down right on it and smash it with my fist right into the ground where the piece of rebarb sticking right on through it and it makes me smile even bigger. The toy is obliterated. You think that for a split second, like it spun around on its little Barbie legs and its chattering jaws opened in like a double take before you just flattened it into a small pile of uh, plastic wreckage. Mike rules. (laughs) Uh, You have a moment of triumph before you realize that the further down the, uh, the right, the sound of the gargantuan swarm of toy parts are slowly moving down this way. They have not yet been alerted to your presence, though, Mike. The flare has long gone out, but several of them are still hissing. Definitely hear mechanical screaming or uh, springs twanging, but there is an oncoming sort of predatory motion to the whole thing, like a swarm of hungry ants. Without hesitation, I take my big old finger and I put it right up to my mouth, giving him uh, Harrison the shush sign and I quickly jump up into the hole, and just as I get my body through it, I reach down and I grab Harrison by the back of the collar of his shirt and pull him up into the hole. Perfect. I want you to roll a brawn roll, please, uh, Mike. My brawn is a d12 plus one. Okay, so this is gonna be a tricky one. So you're gonna need to do, I'm gonna say at least a 10 in order to do it that way. Or else he's just gonna rip my shirt off. I got a 10 plus one, so I got 11. You got 11, damn it. All right, so you, everything happens exactly like you just said. As you are walking across the uh, the corridor, you see literally less than two or three meters away the hungry predatory motions of this gargantuan swarm of toys. Do you have a reaction? What do you do? As I'm about to get my shotgun out and shoot it, I feel the tug on the back of my shirt from Mr. Cochran, as I'm pulled up to where he is in the uh, the thing, right? A split second later, there are uh, a number of remote control cars mounted with makeshift metal jaws that come buzzing through the corridor, less than a, a second up from where your feet were just uh, standing. And Mike is uh, dangling you like a Christmas ornament from where he is currently sort of poised using the rebar like a jungle gym a re- with a really confident and almost sort of playful sort of look on his face. You have dodged the predatory swarm of toys and are now what appears to be at the bottom of a broken shaft of concrete that has been either tunneled or somewhat shattered and it disappears into darkness, what appears to be several meters upward. So congratulations, you've, you've solved my cannibal toy puzzle. Great job, guys. All right. Huzzah. <laughs> All right, Huzzah. Huzzah, huzzah. <laughs> All right, well Michael. You, uh, you turn on those titty lights again while we climb, and I'll... Uh, <laughs> I'll be right behind let me get you. Your, let me get your flashlight again real quick, and let me flash you my boobies. <laughs> Boobies. Uh, I'll follow the boobs right behind you. Yeah. You know who they? You know who they remind me of? Clarence's mom's tits. You know those those things are pretty nice. 
They are beautiful, damn it. <laughs> oh, you got me steamed up right now. <laughs> you better be careful. He's starting to get me a little angry, god dang it. I'm the only one who talks about her tits. Never mind. I was going to say that Michael was about to turn into like a Victorian gentleman uh, and, you know, argue for this uh, maiden's honor. But then he quickly turned a corner. In the soft, uh, <laughs> warm, and bosomy glow of Mike's boob lights, you guys ascend the uh, broken, incredibly dangerous <laughs> tear in the concrete. I want you both to make me a grit roll. I want to see how how far up you get before you start. It starts tearing into your clothes and skin. Ooh, I got a one. Yeah, Mike, you are climbing up, and suddenly you feel a really sharp pain in your arm as you see a piece of jagged rebar and concrete that is torn into you a little bit. It's going to affect your climbing ability, but more than anything else, it's just going to make you. It's just a teen to be closer to death. You are leaking a little bit of blood out of this wound. Harrison, what did you do? I have a uh, D8 for grit, and I rolled an 8, so that explodes, and then I rolled a 2 for a total of 10. Harrison, you're going way slower. You are a good 10 feet below Mike, who is climbing like a toddler through a jungle gym. And you feel a tiny drip, drip. It hits you on the top of your scalp. A small yelp from... Mike, and you look up and you see him recoil after uh, ripping himself a nice long gash on his left arm. Ow, god dang it! Oh dear god, Michael, are you alright? Yeah, this is just going. You know what? Chicks dig scars. This'll be fine. <laughs> you know, that's the exact same thing my uh, father said before, uh, you know, he killed himself. But uh, I'm sure he'll be okay. And with that being said, I take one of my handy wipes out and I wipe off the blood. Go, I'm not going to end up like your bitch. <laughs> maybe to you, to me, it just fuels me with anger. There you go. Never mind then. Okay, maybe it hurts a little bit and there might be a tear coming out of my eye, but that's just because of all this rubble in my. It, it's it's well, okay. It's, it's okay, Mike. I uh, I feel myself with tears too when I talk about my father. So that ain't a tear. That's dust, god dang it. Let's just something got stuck in my eye. Yeah, let's just let's just get out the hole, man. Yeah, it's like a piece of glass or something, okay? It's not like a little piece of dust. It's like something jagged and manly and it it hurts. I know. I feel I feel I feel so badass when I hang out with you. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Nerd. For the following five or ten minutes that you guys are climbing through this hole, actually, I, sh I should say it's like only five minutes. It's not that deep. Mike continues to make uh, metaphors for why he's crying. The memory of uh, Penelope's mom is so beautiful. There was at one time, did you did you see those guy that guy's nuts explode when I punched them? God, that was amazing. Stuff like that. But the tears keep coming. Nevertheless, by the time you emerge from this jagged concrete womb, you guys are feeling a little bit. Well, a little bit more like kindred spirits. Maybe it's the fact that I described it as a concrete womb, or maybe it's because, you know, you, you guys are now sort of uh, partially wounded blood brothers, uh, but you uh, pop out of this uh, jagged hole in the concrete, dusty, a little bloody, certainly worse for wear. This is where I imagine Harrison rips off a small piece of his shirt and gives it to me so I can tie it around that thing. 
you know, kind of like a peace offering. Harrison, you can almost see the softness in Mike's eyes as he looks at the edge of your button-up with a pleading look. Yes, uh, Harrison will tear off the uh, bottom half of his shirt, so now he's got a crop top on, and he'll use that to patch up <laughs> Mike's wounds. Hey, so thanks, little buddy. I'm a tie this around my arm because I look like Rambo, you know? He's Rambo. a real badass. Harrison went for like three inches of, uh, of shirt and he ended up tearing a good foot and a half off the bottom of his button up. But nevertheless, it makes you look ten times the badass now, Mike, because you've got this lead-soaked improvised bandage. I bet you this is the kind of thing that Penelope's mom might get really turned on by. <laughs> oh, that dust is back in my eye again. God dang it. <laughs> Yeah, you haven't had to improvise a bandage since, like, grade school. This looks super badass. Yeah, it's because I don't freaking bleed, okay? That's why. But it really does kind of hurt a little bit. Now, you emerge into another bending corridor. This one's far dustier, and uh, there are cobwebs in every corner. Nevertheless, you can clearly see that this one does have light fixtures, even though they are currently off. They're all covered in mesh. They look vaguely military or uh, sort of utilitarian in design, where nearly everything else that you've seen either looks kind of unadorned or playfully whimsical. Yeah, it has that Walter Wiebe quality to it. This is the first time you've seen something that doesn't have that motif to it. This looks almost like it was built for a different purpose. And yet here you are, you've emerged from one big concrete loop into another. You can clearly see that they're all faded, of course, but in the dimming light of Michael's flashlight, you can clearly see that there are color-coded signs pointing right and left, indicating points of exit. So with my non-bloody arm, I give Harrison a little uh, elbow shiver to his shoulder, and I say, hey, what's that mean? (laughs) Are, Are you asking what colors mean? Well, why are they over there? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I would imagine this is some sort of a service tunnel so that uh, people didn't see what was going on in Walter Weeby's candy or, or his, his toy shop here, you know? Mm-hmm. Can I make a brains roll or anything to infer what the colors might mean? Roll me a brains roll. Uh, go for, let's say, like a, like a six. <laughs> Should I try? Absolutely, you can. Yeah, unfortunately, I only got a four, so... We haven't been using this mechanism for a while, so I'm going to put here that both of you have tokens. Every single time you fail a roll, and Mike, this is like your third. (laughs) So Harrison, this is only your first. So you have three tokens that you can use to add, if you choose to, to somebody else's roll. And so you can sort of aid somebody else. If they haven't quite gotten to the point where they are beating the difficulty of a roll, you can assist them. So you've got three. And Harrison is one right now. So I'm just gonna keep track of it from this point. I'm very sorry. Should have been doing that from the beginning, from the get-go. Keep it up and I'm gonna punch you right in the dick. You can't punch the game, tat teller master. I will run home with my storytelling ability between my legs. Yeah, neither one of you seems to know exactly what the color-coded, uh, there's, no, there's no signage, there's no uh, labels on anything. Just. They're the similar symbol that one's pointing left and one's pointing right. They seem to suggest a way out, but you could be wrong about this. Hmm. Harrison, I gotta be honest here with you. I do not know what to do, and this is making me a little angry, because I don't know how to deal with these emotions. Well, let's just... You uh, want to tell me which way we go? We're, we're a couple of badasses, right? 
one of us. So, yeah, like both of us, right? So, why don't we just pick the most badass color and, and go with that, and then we'll figure out which way to go. Well, what do you think is a badass color? Um, what can I look at Mike and see what kind of color clothing he's wearing right now? Mike, tell me what, tell me what you're, tell me what you're wearing. <laughs> Smart play. <laughs> I'm wearing a uh, white wife beater with stains on it from my own blood. And I have on a pair of jams <laughs> with uh, multicolors and a Z Cavricci belt around my waist. He is a hypercolored radioactive disaster, is what this guy is. After I'm done looking at him, can I look at the colors on the wall? You look at the colors on the wall. There's a red one, and then there is an orange one. One stripe heading right, one stripe heading left. Both of them seem to have, well, they, they've got these uh, striations, these symbols that appear every once in a while in a square horizontal bars that are in between vertical bar brackets. God damn, there's a lot more orange than there is red on Mike's jams. Oh, <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm talking about j- Okay, well, you know what? It's about time. You know, it's it's like episode like eight. It only makes sense, really. <laughs> it was only a matter of time. You seem to have a bunch of orange on your jams there, so let's roll with that. That's totally bad. You're a badass. I'm a badass. You wear orange, so let's go with that. Yeah, I wear orange. Let's go. Orange is the most badass of all the secondary colors. You head to the left. Sure enough, as you predict, the corridor turns, but then it reaches a point where the orange stripe stops, and you see a large metallic door on the right side complete with what appears to be a smaller metallic hatch with a clip closure on it as well. Both hatch and door are riveted. They're both painted sort of military olive green, and the door has what appears to be a very, very dusty klaxon light mounted on the top of it. Does the light work? It's currently out. As you examine it, though, right next to it, it says, Exit to Surface. In plain English, Futura font. (laughs) Exit to Surface. And a couple of uh, small signages next to the smaller hatch next to the door, it says access panel. So this is where I grab Harrison again and give him another elbow into his uh, shoulder. And I say, hey there, uh, Hall Cop. Uh, Looks like I found us a way out of here. Hall Cop. <laughs> yeah, let's do That's this, Mr. Badass. Harrison will apo- uh, approach the access panel and open it. All right. Sure enough, inside is a very similar looking computer terminal to what you saw when you first entered the teepee far above. It's currently unplugged from the port directly behind the terminal. Appears to be fairly dust free. The second that you open this, though, Mike, it is a buzzing noise coming uh, from your backpack along with, uh, you know, where you had placed your map and binoculars and what have you. What's in my... I open up my backpack and I reveal it to Harrison so that he can look inside as well as I feel perplexed. So, hey, something's buzzing around in here. Uh, do you still have the walkie-talkie on you? Oh, that's what these do? I'm not sure. Let's investigate. And I hand him the walkie-talkie. Sure enough, the walkie-talkie is emitting a soft buzzing noise and the signal light on the front is flashing dimly red. And you can clearly hear, along with the buzzing noise, now that you have it out of your backpack, what sounds to be a male voice. It's stuttering and faltering. You can clearly hear it, and it sounds vaguely familiar. Give me that real quick. Is that you, Dad? D- Dad? D- is that? Nah, never mind. He ain't never around. I always thought 
Why would he be on this walkie-talkie anyway? Hey, Harrison, you recognize this? Harrison. You hear a guttural voice. Harrison? Uh, go for Sheriff Kunth. Harrison, this is Charles Kettle. Um, uh, Mr. Kettle, we, we've, uh, we've, uh, missed you, uh, haven't seen you around for a while. We're worried about you. Well, I've been worried about you, son. Where are you? Last I saw, you went into the teepee. It's been hours. What are you, what are you doing down there? Are you okay? Yeah, this large, uh, strong gore guy tried to kill us as we went in, uh, with the, uh, Heaven's Gate people. And now we're being attacked by a wave of uh, toys as they're chasing us around down here. All right, well, I've successfully drawn them off to the other side of town, but they are currently in pursuit of my poison. I don't, again, why am I going into Gonk? I just, it's its unavoidable. <laughs> it's great, though. <laughs> I, I like Gonk. Well, we, we, we can come to help you, uh, Charles. Um, we're looking at a, uh, a door down here that looks like it came through a service tunnel. There was orange lines that led to it. We're at like a military-style door. We've opened the access panel. We're trying to get out of this place, but the rest of our... How the hell did you escape from that house of horrors? Uh, we led uh, the rest of the toys that were attacking our friends away uh, to try to save them. You know, the old uh, self-sacrifice, the hero's journey, you know? And I give uh, Harrison a nudge, and I say to him, "Don't you tell him anything. I'll beat the shit out of you." Mr. Kettle's our friend, man. We got to we got to tell him a little bit what's going on. He's gonna save us. Mr. Cochran, I can hear your voice in there too. Are you behaving yourself? Yes, sir. I'm behaving myself. Excellent. Well, guess what? I've gotten in contact with half of your parents. They are just as concerned about your well-being as I am. My parents are concerned about me? I said half of your parents. I don't believe I got in contact with yours. But nevertheless, I'm sure he would be concerned to hear that you're es escaping from that abattoir that exists down there now. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. I don't care if he does or he doesn't. I don't care at all. I'm just... I don't... Son, there are few truths in this world, but... One is that logic does not exist within the chambers of the human heart. You don't need to tell me, son. I know the truth that exists within you. You do? There's a Jedi-like pause. All right, we need to get you the hell out of there. So approach the terminal. Just use the exact same code that I gave Aristotle before. Did you write it down? Uh, I think Penelope just pressed 6969. Yeah, that would probably have worked as well. Go ahead and put that in there, and then hit pound, and the door should open. <laughs> pound 69. <laughs> You're currently inside what... Uh, uh, can you describe your surroundings? Yeah, we're in a tunnel with a bunch of spider webs. There's an orange line with several, I think, hash marks that lead down it that come to this door. It's an olive green military-style painted door with an access panel. Ah, uh, hash Oh, okay. It's going to lead into a ladder. The ladder is going to take you all the way up to the surface. So what you need to do, son, is you need to just punch in the code and just head out of there. Be as careful as you can. I know that there are members of Heaven's Door still lurking around the teepee. So do your best not to be seen, and I shall do my best to provide a distraction when I arrive. So just head out and be as quiet as possible. 
And Harrison, I'm proud of you. Thank you, sir. I, I appreciate it. Oh, and I, I'll be dressed up as a sheriff because they killed the uh, real sheriff. Um, so if you see a cop coming out from underground, it's just me. They what? There's the sound of a, a crackle as his voice registers up like 10 octaves. They killed the... I get it. The signal light starts flashing and then it goes dead. All right, Mike, you ready to do this? Let's do this, little buddy. I mean, little punk. Hey, dude. Ed- I heard what you were saying there. Having a dad's not all it's cracked up to be ever since mine died. Uh, you know, just got to push through and... You think I want to talk about my dad with you? Move it. Lead the way and shut your mouth. You want to at least press uh, the first 69 and I'll do the second one? <laughs> you know I want to put my fingers on that 69. Six, nine. <laughs> Six, nine. Badass bros, let's do this. Pound. Good luck. <laughs> You pound in that 69, 69 pound. There is a soft hiss. The light above the door begins flashing red in a cycle, and you hear a dull klaxon sound off once. Kind of push, uh, I kind of push Harrison behind me, and I stand there with my fist raised. The door slowly swings open under its own weight, and on the other side, you can clearly see a radiation symbol saying protective gear needed past this point. Kettle didn't say anything about this. It's it's marked directly beneath what appears to be a sturdy steel ladder that heads up into a uh, fluorescent lit tunnel that goes up 30 or 40 feet before it reaches uh, what appears to be like a manhole cover or, or a secondary access point. He didn't say anything about that, but there's that ladder he was talking about. Yeah. Come on, let's go. But how do you think they made electrolyte? You think that could be some kind of clue to something going on that we can come back for? Listen, you're a little bit smarter than me on these situations, so why don't you tell me what to do? No, I mean, we need protective equipment, so let's let's go save Kettle. He's being tracked down right now, so let's see what we can do. I'm with you. Let's do it. Wait, you think there's going to be up to anything up there I can punch? <laughs> right in the dick? There's a bunch of Heaven Doors people. You've killed one of them before in the middle of a football field, remember? <laughs> oh, I ain't afraid of doing it again. Well, let's get it done. These fists of fury keep a flying. <laughs> Saw that in a movie. Good God. <laughs> be like water, Mike. Be like water. I am a little thirsty. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so the ladder is directly in front of you. I punch him in the arm and say, you go first. Uh, this is, I guess this is a vertical hallway, so yeah, I'll take point. <laughs> it's a vertical hallway. Uh, Harrison starts going up the ladder. Are there a vertical hallway? That's exactly, you. It, it, you, it takes a little bit of imagination, but you get there. So uh, you climb up. It's a little bit more, again, it's a, it's a little trickier for Mike than it was. I'm using one arm at a time to do this one. And as I kind of let the other one just kind of dangle a little bit, uh, I recognize my veins are bulging and that there's a little bit of blood that's trickling down my arm. And I just kind of look at it and go, <laughs> badass. <laughs> you head up the, uh, the ladder. Sure enough, there is a, uh, the hatch directly above uh, has what appears to be sort of like an enormous wheel attached uh, to the underside. Harrison, if you want to open it, you will need to make a brawn roll. Difficulty of four. You got this, little buddy? I mean, guy? Uh, I got a D6 plus one in this, so let's see how it goes. 
And remember, Mike, you can help out if you want to. You've got uh, up to three that you can assist with. I rolled a five plus one, so that'd be a six total. Tell me how you open the hatch. Since my arms aren't as strong as, but my legs are because I'm used to running all the time, I'll kind of grab onto the (laughs) wheel there and use my legs to push off and crank on this uh, handle. Uh, You angle your body against the sides of the this vertical hallway and manage to, with a single jolt to the uh, wheel above you, you can see a pair of bars slide out of the way. A uh, more obtuse angle with a loud clunk and there is a gentle hiss of released air and suddenly you can smell the lovely wafting odor of good old-fashioned outside Obayono. It's nighttime, so it's got that beautiful sort of the smell that you get from rainfall. Not a fucking nerd. I don't know that, bro. That was a nice little kick you got there. You might not be half as wussy as I thought you were. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate you. I'm telling you, we could be a badass duo if you allow me. Like, And before he finishes his sentence, I smack him in the cock real quick. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old. Never gets old. <laughs> uh, why don't I remember this ever? That painful whine you just did, Joe, that was that was remarkable. I've made that noise. My heart just made that noise. It's the sound of ultimate embarrassment. I've been there, dude. I feel attached to to Harrison right now. The hatch swings open and moonlight pours into this open oculus. Hey Mike, you think uh, Clarence's mom is staring up at the moon right now as you're staring up at the moon? Oh, that's just beautiful. I mean, I don't know. I don't care. I don't look at the moon like that, all right? That's just a giant flashlight titty thing just from- From outer space. (laughs) No. Dave, I'm so glad that you decided to join us on this uh, freaking chaotic merry-go-round of hell. About time you boys got manned up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, well said. Thank you very much. The hatch is now open. You can you can hear crickets, uh, cicadas. With one with my bad arm wrapped underneath a uh, one of the bars on the ladder, I will hold the hatch up so that both Harrison and I can just have our eyes about a couple inches of the of the door open so that we can peek around without having to be seen. Harrison will be looking for landmarks to try to figure out where exactly they are uh, so they can map it out for later. You slowly edge your scalp and expose your eyes just outside the edge of this access hatch, the top of which is covered with dirt, leaves, completely camouflaged from, from the top, and not a little bit of asphalt as well. It looks like it was uh, partially paved over at one stage. About... Ten feet to one side, you can clearly see casting a a long, tapered shadow over the parking lot. The teepee. There are flashing police cruisers on the opposite side of the teepee. Not around you, of course. You see police tape fluttering in the breeze. You can hear cops talking to each other, police officers, male and female, discussing things. You can see the shattered remains of what appears to be one of the Ford Aerostars. This has now been listed on its side. It looks as though it was recently on fire and put out. You can also see uh, the backside of a uh, fire truck of the good old Obayono Fire Department. And on the other side, though, Mike, as you're doing your little pan, you across the parking lot and across the neighboring park, you clearly see the familiar sight of Dessert Storm, your very favorite ice cream parlor <laughs> in town. 
where very fitting, very fitting. <laughs> that's right. Your, uh, where your good pal Chaz Montgomery's dad works and b- helped build the place. As a matter of fact, Chaz Senior. Well, his proper name is Nathan, but everybody calls him Mad Dog. Mm, I like the sounds of it. From the sound of things and from the amount of activity outside, it looks as though the annual uh, Desert Storm reenactment troupe has just wrapped for the day. There is a huge tailgate party right outside Desert Storm. The recent rain has uh, rolled away. You can clearly see uh, flames from barbecues, people drinking beer, uh, the occasional bottle being smashed on the pavement, and, and not a few yips and yahoos. Hey, Harrison, you see that over here? Wait. Look my way. Look over there towards Dever. It takes a moment for Harrison to stop, like, uh, staring at the symbols of, of naked authority, shotguns and badges and what have you. Hey, hall cops, stop looking at the cops. Look over here. There's a party. But there's a badass... <laughs> there's, a, there's a bunch of badass cops over here, you know? What if... What if uh, Sheriff Valdez lived? Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. I'm sure all kinds of shiny guns and blah, blah. Look over here. This is where Desert Storm... That's the reenactment group over there. We love them. <laughs> I mean, I love them. Chaz's dad's supposed to be there, I think. Uh, he's one of the reenactors. Yeah, Mad Dog. <laughs> I know. Well, don't you think he's going to be looking for Chaz? I mean, I try not to think. I just like to punch things, okay? So, yeah, maybe. Well, Kettle's supposed to set some kind of distraction here. I don't know what he's going to do, but... Uh, let me get the radio out of your backpack and radio him. The radio's dead. I got a better idea. I got some binoculars back there. Why don't you use those and see if you can see anything? Uh... You know, from a distance. Right, uh, let me do that then. He reaches into yeah, the that's backpack. that's what these do. He reaches in the backpack and, and pulls out a shittier pair of binoculars than the ones Harrison has. <laughs> Those were my little sisters, okay? That that's just a that's just a that's just a mouse with a bow on the head, but don't look at it too much, alright? Yeah, it's it's uh I gotcha. From your vantage point, poking out of the parking lot next to the teepee, you can clearly see the beautiful, friendly the lights inside of the dessert storm ice cream parlor. Right outside you see a literal shit ton of F-150s, most of which are packed full of Eskimos, people uh, drinking beer, people eating sausages and what have you, enjoying delicious ice cream treats. The first person you see drinking out of a long neck is the familiar and friendly face of Nathan Mad Dog Montgomery. You quickly see close by a number of other parents that you recognize, Jessica Peterson, the magnificent beauty that she is Mm-mm-mm. the moonlight cascading upon her golden lock mm-hmm. you see uh, Flip's mom and dad, Mac and Rosie <laughs> these guttural noises coming from you are a little alarming you see <laughs> he's just thinking about uh, Clarence's mom's bosoms as well. oh I do love Miss Peterson on she the is. inside uh, of the parlor you see it takes you a minute to verify but you definitely see the unmistakable bouffant hairdo of your own mom, Colleen. And sitting across from your mom is none other than local accident lawyer, J.J. Cochran, Mike's dad. And they seem to be uh, engaged in the conversation. And then your eye goes, you know, completes its circuit and uh, rests once again on Mad Dog, who is sipping at his long neck, kind of hovering around the edge of the tailgate party. 
Hey Harrison, I'm not really sure what to do here because, you know, that's where my dad is and he's real important, you know. I mean, he's real important. He's always busy. So he must be busy over there. So I'm starting to get a little nervous is what I'm saying. Right. So if we run over there, I think our parents are going to, you know, be a little bit worried about where all the rest of the kids are since uh, we haven't really been seen since the sheriff died. Also, if we get out of here, do you think I should wear the sheriff's badge and hat out? You know, you ever think it's going to be obvious that I'm wearing a murdered person's clothing? Well, I gotta be honest with you. I don't really like the look, but uh, I know it's something that's important to you. So yeah, why don't you go ahead and wear it? Somebody says something to you, I'll punch him right in the cock. Yeah, I'm more worried about being convicted of his murder than anything else, but... Uh, I'm, I'm glad you would punch him in the dick for me. I, I really appreciate that. Let's just keep that between us, okay? Uh, so listen. Guaranteed. I think what we need to do is maybe, you tell me, but I think we need to hide behind that big fire truck over there. Because I agree. I don't think we need to. I don't want to talk to parents right now. They always try to tell me what to do. Should I try to steal another battery for this radio so we can talk to Kettle? Yeah, I like where your head's at. Let's do that. I still have the keys for the uh, the cop car from earlier. Oh, you know I want to steal a cop car. You know it. Well, the cop car that, that you stole is actually right on the other side of the TV. Right. Uh, I still have the keys, so that's why I'm saying we if I, I can get another one of these cop cars and take the radio batteries out of that, and then we'd be juiced back up. Well, let's get out of this hole and start doing something. I'm tired of thinking. <laughs> Let's hide behind the fire truck and then make our move from there. And I shove him up, head clanking upon the door a little bit, and I still push him up and through it because his big f- ass is in my way. Ah, fuck. Ah, God damn it. <laughs> oh, I touched his belly where he ripped off his shirt. Jesus. Oh, you like my crop top now, huh, Mike? <laughs> no. No, I do not. Shut your mouth and keep moving. Yes, sir. This flesh is yielding, supple. <laughs> um, anyway, so you uh, head off t- around the perimeter and uh, try to hide behind the uh, the fire truck. If you want to avoid being seen, you could brain your way over using strategy, hiding behind, you know, zipping from one point of obscurity to the next, or you could just haul ass. It depends on which you're better at, flight or brains. Flight's better for yeah, me. Yeah, I have a D20 in yeah. flight, so I'm going to choose flight. Yeah. I got a D10. I... D- I suddenly recall who I'm talking to. Alright, so there you go. <laughs> Alright, so go ahead and roll. I'm going to roll an NPC, see if they notice you. Oh, I got a 4. I got a 10 on a d20 roll. So I rolled a 6. Out of? Literally, that's... No, that's that, that's what you had to beat. I have one token I can give Mike. Can he use one of his tokens to use? Can I use my own tokens on me? Normally, you're not allowed to. I will, in this case, allow you to assist yourself. You grab your own ass up out of the hole like a cartoon character, and you haul your own ass across the pavement. How many tokens do I have left? You have two left. Okay. But they're really meant for Harrison. (laughs) Okay. All right, so there you go. So, Harrison, you Sometimes you got to lift yourself up by the bootstraps and just handle the situation yourself. With nobody else helping you. That's exactly what just happened. You did a beautiful job of that. You're such a badass, Mike. Yes, I am. Okay, as you as you share this beautiful exchange, Harrison, you haul ass across the parking lot with Mike in tow, and you find yourself next to the folded fire hose of the fire truck. Thirty seconds later, as you guys are catching your breath, 
several of the armed officers immediately come to attention and start pointing rifles and pistols towards the opposite end of the parking lot where none other than Mr. Charles Kettle himself, hands above his head, is slowly approaching them. How many of them are there? There are easily 10, not including other emergency responders. You hear various shouts of, hands down on the ground, get your hands down on the ground, nose to the pavement. You know, several people just shouting as the cops slowly begin moving towards Kettle, who silently drops what appears to be his uh, the large familiar deer rifle off of his shoulder and puts his uh, nose to the ground, hands behind his head. Hey, Harrison, we're in a lot of trouble right now. Well, I, I think Kettle's in a little bit more trouble, but should we try to save him or... What should we do? I don't know. Can't lie. Seeing all them cops around is making me a little nervous. I don't like this level of authority in one place. And I'm real afraid that they're going to do something to him. I don't think they're just going to let him live. Right. Let's, um, while they're all distracted, let's go to the back of one of these cop cars and see what we can find. Okay. I'm following you. Just in case, let's not go too far away from one of these hoses. Maybe we can use this fire truck and knock them all down. Yeah, you mess with the fire truck, I'm gonna mess with the cop car, and we'll see what we can do. Alright, but don't go too far away now. No, I'm just... I might just do something. I'm going to this closest cop car right here, so I'll be in line of sight of you. I start looking around and... This has taken a surreal turn. (laughs) (laughs) I start think. I start looking around as I go towards the fire truck, and I start remembering the movie Rambo, where they hosed him down when he got caught by the local police with a fire hose. Sure enough, there is a fire hose here. You can see all the arcane ephemera that come along with a fire truck. Wrenches and valves and whatnot. Uh, Well, actually, one of them is still hooked up to a nearby hydrant. And you can clearly see that there is a wrench still attached to the top of the hydrant. It's a short distance away, less than 20 feet. So I whisper in that kind of a, you know, a loud whispering kind of voice, Harrison! Harrison! Hi! I, I, I hear you. We just gotta turn that thing over there. That's it. <laughs> you grab the hose, I'll turn it. Well, you think we should... Did you see anything in the car? Harrison, you are now by this point familiar with the ins and outs of the uh, local constabulary and what they might have inside the boot of their car, as it were. You see emergency flares. You see tactical vests, innumerable flares, and uh, emergency ephemera as well. Most of the dangerous stuff is kept up in the car. What I'd like to do is uh, take the key, open the trunk, get the box of flares. I'm going to ignite several flares and throw it back in the box of flares, roll over to the driver's seat of the, the police car, turn the car on, put it in drive, and just let it start rolling forward towards the group of cops with the, the on-fire box of flares, and then turn on the, all the lights to it while Mike gets the hose ready. All right, you can either make a pretty good brains roll or a hella good flight roll for this. Before he does that, I say, hey, give me one of them vests. They look cool. I uh, take the vest out and I slide it behind the fire truck. <laughs> it's a little big on you, Mike, but uh, you're, you're a strapping boy. You're a big boy. You know what? It feels ten times as badass. If it looks even half as, as a badass as it feels, then this was a, a fashion statement that was long overdue. I think this makes my look just, you know, even more badassery. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, in, in the words of today's vernacular, this drip is solid. So go ahead and 
Jesus Christ. Uh, you get to need to roll like a 15 there, Harrison, in order to do all this 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 uh, crazy-ass checkmate of different bits and bobs and working and working pieces because you're gonna have to you're, ha- you're gonna have to uh, do this while cops are running around talking on their walkie-talkies dressing down uh, mr. kettle getting ready to put him into custody stuff like that none of them are really looking your way but this is quite a, a set of dominoes that you're putting into uh, position here so roll me a really good I will roll flight since I have a d d20 in that. And here goes nothing. I got a 13. I'm going to give him my two tokens. Oh, oh shit. Uh, so, so <laughs> oh, <Harrison>. shit. <laughs> so, we did it, buddy. We did it. Okay. So, Mike, you can clearly see that there are a number of officers exiting the riot squad vehicle right next to uh, uh, the car where Harrison is currently f- He's doing something with the what appears to be the... He looks like he's trying to set a fire in the passenger seat, which is just ridiculously awesome. And there are no less than three or four helmeted and tack-vested officers that are walking straight past him. If you don't, if you don't do something or say something right now, he is going to be caught. I grab my slingshot, I pick up a rock real quick, and I aim so that I distract the oncoming uh, riot patrol so that there's a spark when I hit the ground and it hits the tire of their vehicle, drawing their gaze away from my little punk-ass friend, Mr. Harrison. I mean, buddy. I mean, little kid that's near me. That guy. You don't find a rock up at the top of the fire truck. However, you do see a bolt that was sort of floating around up there next to where you were perched. Using your wrist rocket, you launch it at... And uh, so it forces them against the the, the opposite direction of where they would have been heading. So in other words, they're not going to be heading towards Harris. All right. So you shoot it well out into the the parking lot, but, you know, maybe less than five feet away. It's like a bullseye right behind the the SWAT team van. Immediately they swing around and several go, what the hell? Like one or two of them, because this is East Texas, just reflectively say, damn. <laughs> they just say, like, damn straight. And uh, it allows Harrison to exhale a very nervous breath and then complete his uh, sabotage of this uh, police car. Harrison, tell me what happens. Uh, as the car rolls forward, it begins heading towards the group of cops that are trying to take kettle into custody then i want to run over to mike and be like all right here's the plan we're gonna start the fire hose (laughs) we're gonna start the fire hose okay we're gonna spray all of them with water especially the cops holding onto kettle but we're gonna look like we're trying to put out the fire in the car okay and then we're gonna get kettle the hell out of here you got it little buddy i mean i got you you don't tell me what to do right this is your plan we're doing it let's go that's right, and I'm a genius. Thank you for reminding me of my genius. You just saved yourself one cock punch. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna put that in the in the cock punch uh, bank account. You just got one in the cock punch bankery. By the way, you did, I I just gotta say that I'm enjoying the shit out of this. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my God. 
It's just like, there's that sound, there's that music from like the Looney Tunes. Dun 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 da 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 dun. I'm just like this is this is so great. Anyway, um, all right, a few seconds roll by as you guys hold your breath, and suddenly a crimson flame illuminates like blindingly in the front seat of the cop car followed by a loud hiss and then it, it and then it mounts by like to the power of 10 the car immediately sort of like picks up a little bit of momentum cops start screaming whoa 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 move 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 out of the way as it begins to plow towards them slowly start arcing a little bit to the left almost as if it were possessed heading straight very inexorably but slowly towards the policemen that are gaggling around charles kettle oh dear god plan is going perfectly so far both of you need to do a brawn roll in order to direct the uh the fire hose i rolled a four plus one which gives me a five all right that's perfect now yo back to mike I'll charge the line. You start spraying it. <laughs> Has backdraft come out yet? I don't think so. You no, go, oh, actually, we go. It just came out. It just came out like that summer. Oh, that's so cool. Summer of 91. Uh, oh, wait. No, no, no. It Not that summer. It uh, began the summer before. I got a 12 plus one, so that's 13 on 12. Uh, you actually get to roll again on a 12. No, roll, roll again. It, it explodes. Yeah, if you roll the max, it explodes. You can roll again. I got an eight plus one. It's a 21. With your powers combined. All right, Mike, tell me what happens. So the car explodes. <laughs> Pretty one much. of the tires and or the door flies off, killing several of the cops, decapitating a few of them. The others scour away as we are left there with our friend with his hands behind his head, uh, uh, on his knees with his hands behind his head. And then... Harrison and I step forward and a, a blaze behind us explodes as we walk together as a superhero couple might do to go rescue our friend. Let's get over there and get him. Let's keep spraying him with the hose. Keep spraying that fire, Mike. I'm going to go help the police officers out. And as I kind of spray a little bit, I let a little bit of a catch fire and then I spray again. Do it a little bit more. I want to see this thing burn, god dang it. Yeah, so literally that summer, Backdraft came out, Mr. Cochran. You can see how somebody can get a lot of pleasure and enjoyment out of doing this on a semi-permanent basis. There's something fun about saving things while destroying things at the exact same time. (laughs) Oh, I wish that I could catch more things on fire. Oh, God. I feel like this might be a life thing for me. Anyway, sorry, (laughs) I didn't mean to get cathartic. No, 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 no. Uh, Harrison, you... As you're running towards Mr. Kettle, you maybe have a split second of insight and you're wondering, God, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in Mike. But a split second later, you're like, God, I hope it does awaken something in Mike. (laughs) He's being a goddamn hero right now. He is a friggin' golden god eliminated by pure chaos and destructive power. And he's handling that hose like a friggin' star is what he's doing. Yes, I have seen view porn as well. Uh, okay, so <laughs> all right, so uh, the cops are running all over the place. Several of them have been pelted to the ground by either a flaming door or just frozen in place because this just ain't the kind of shit that happens in Obayona. You can see bystanders over at the, the dessert storm that are immediately fleeing their empties onto the ground with loud crashes and coming running to watch the chaos. 
Several of the uh, first responders, the firemen, are like extinguishing their cigarettes and running from the curb. Several of them shouting, get away from that truck, as uh, Mike laughs, hosing the place down. <laughs> At this point, I take the hose and I put it between my legs and I start playing it as if I was uh, Eddie Van Halen playing the guitar between my legs. Now, it's a lot harder to handle, but this is Mike Cochran we're talking about, so I feel like it's between the two of you. Who's tougher, me or your challenge? As the chaos ensues, Harrison, you throw caution to the wind. You are like part of a a well-synchronized watch, and between Mike's pure inclination towards destruction and your inclination towards order and planning and yes maybe a little your love of authority but god damn it you'd love to see a plan come together like this uh poor charles kettle lying on the ground nobody even looks twice at him as he sees you running towards him his eyes are a gog his mouth drops you crazy some bitches and he scoops up his deer rifle and the two of you go running off you have about Two seconds before a couple of firemen begin pulling you down off the top of the uh, fire truck, several cops immediately begin yelling at you. Your dad is on the scene in about 20 seconds flat. As fast as Harrison is, he might be a little bit faster. Shouting at police officers, shouting at firemen, he quickly finds himself in his, his own chosen element, receiving a shit ton of negative attention from all sides. He occasionally looks down at you, Mike. Uh, we haven't really seen Mr. Cochran, or JJ, as we call him, in, in, this, uh, in this game so far. But occasionally, he just sort of shakes his head. Your lip has been split by this point. You have a bloody arm, and he just looks at you like, Where the hell did I go wrong? At the same time, he's, he looks at you and says, He's just like his old man. <laughs> Damn it, boy, you're just like me. Mike... Suffice it to say, you get wrestled to the ground off of the truck, but the plan went off without a hitch. Harrison and Charles Kettle are literally nowhere to be seen. They have escaped. And uh, your dad, the accident lawyer, is currently looking after you as the authorities begin listing off the number of crimes that you've just committed. Destruction of police property. The sheriff's hat is still missing, so you're probably impersonating him. <laughs> to be fair, they never saw him start the fire, and we put the hat and the badge away before committing any of these acts. You're absolutely right. All they saw him doing was trying to put out the fire. Dad! Dad! Tell him to stop! I'm trying to put this dang thing out! I don't understand what's going on! Dad! Lawyer them! Lawyer them! <laughs> <laughs> My son's a goddamn hero, He's saving this town, and you all are over here tackling him to the ground. Look at that cut on his arm, I bet you sons of bitches gave it to him. God damn it. They did, I'll Dad, sue they all did. of you. I'm going to have all your badges. I'm going to have all your goddamn fire ho- hats. I'm going to have your firehouse. <laughs> your asses are all mine. <laughs> Not our fire hats. Yeah. Um, him, Dad. I've seen how you retire them, put them in your fucking fireplaces, and carry them around like they're all precious and stuff. They're mine. They're going to be mine. <laughs> hey, Dad, get the boots they use when they go out for fundraising, too. <laughs> You're all going to burn. Yeah, give me one of them boots, too, so I can boot my son in the ass after this, too. One hour later, the energy has kind of left you a little bit, Mike. You are sitting by yourself in the hallway at the police station. 
You've been able to overhear a couple things while you're here. The sheriff has been recovered. Uh, he is not dead, it, although he did have his clavicle broken, and he broke a vertebra in his uh, in his back, apparently. But he's at the hospital. So Sheriff Valdez is going to be making a long, slow recovery. In the meantime, though, the deputy is handling things and he's you know it's pure chaos at the station mainly because there's news vans out front everybody wants to see the face of the miscreant juvenile who uh, set fire to a, a local landmark with a handful of flares and an errant police vehicle allegedly allegedly not only that but it also seemed to happen on the same day that the local religious fanatics known as Heaven's Door engaged in what appeared to be a melee with the same police department in front of the same landmark. So between your recent pyrotechnic ne'er-do-well episode, yeah, exactly, and the earlier, um, I don't know, the earlier accident days that happened outside the teepee, Everybody's just jaws are just wagging everywhere. The TV has been going nonstop and it's been turned up to 11. While your dad is in the other room telling how, how much money he's going to be making off of suing the police department for classic police overreach. They were brutalizing me. Absolutely. None other than Nathan Mad Dog Montgomery, Chaz's dad, comes walking into the station, nods a hello to a few of the, uh, to the other officers, walks up to you. Sits next to you, hands you a root beer. Hey there, Mike. How you doing there? Hey, Mad Dog. Sure looks like I got myself in a little bit of a pickle here. Yes, sir. You are in one deep uh, pickle barrel is what you is. Well, you enjoy that root beer. In fact, uh, I have it on good authority that uh, they'll, they're just going to let you out. Uh, you know, boys will be boys setting fire to local ordinance and what have you. Hey, thanks, Mad Dog. As a matter of fact, there's still a whole ton of us over at uh, Dessert Storm right now. I got you a big old banana split with your name on it. I can't eat it myself because, uh, you know, the diabetes. But uh, I was going to invite you to come and have a nice scoop of ice cream, or whatever you desire, while your dad wraps up in there with the... Uh, he pauses as he looks over at the pure drilling that he's given the current deputy with the what have you. <laughs> I sure like to come with you. I gotta be honest, I've seen him do this before. This gonna take a while. <laughs> yeah, this could take another hour or two at least, and it's gonna be a long, long weekend for all of us. But we had the best reenactment today, and figured you should uh, come by and enjoy just a, a little bit of the festivities while they last. Everybody's gonna be jawing this one over for a good long time, it seems. Will it get me out of here? Let's go. That sounds like a heck of a good time. Not to mention, between you and I, Mad Dog, I've been looking forward to doing one of these reenactments with you. <laughs> well, that might just happen next time. Who knows? I got to wear the Captain America shield today, and I got to ride a horse. It was fantastic. I got to be none other than Stormin' Norman himself. Well, I got to take on a whole bunch of bro... Never mind. Why not just follow you? As he gets up and he walks you out of the police station, he's like... You were going to take on a whole bunch of what now? Oh, nothing. Just a movie I saw. Nothing to worry about at all. Well, says Mad Dog as he walks over to his F-150. Now, you might want to come clean to old Mad Dog here. I, I, I promise you. I'll keep mum. No problem. But 
If you want to come clean, that's the only way you're going to get an ice cream out of me tonight. Is it tutti fruity? If you want it to be. Alright, so listen. Just between you and I, now don't say anything, because this is going to get me and this other guy that I kind of want to keep around a little bit. He's a little bit of a hall cop or something. Anyway, listen. There's a whole bunch of toys down there, but they ain't for fun. They're for killing. Toys, huh? Killing yeah. toys. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of toys that got like sharp, jagged edges and razor blades. And I swear there's a ton of them down there. I really feel like, well, I don't know. Kind of feels like there's an army. Yeah, well, you're not wrong about that, he says. Wait, huh? He opens up the door of his uh, F-150 and a woman climbs out. She's got sort of short Karen length, I would say, like a Karen Bob, dark hair. She's utterly gorgeous. She looks like in her mid-twenties, Hispanic. There's uh, an air about her, something about her face that makes her look familiar to you. It takes you a good 20 seconds for you to place it. And during the 20 seconds, Mad Dog says, Helia, I hate to tell you this, but it looks like my son is in the same sort of pickle that young Mr. Cochran is in here. He's probably down in the silo somewhere, causing all kinds of mischief. The woman with this beautiful musical voice says, Well, don't you worry about anything, Nathan. As a matter of fact, we've been postponing this meeting for several hours now, and it's time for me to enter the game. And with that, he and she both invite you into the front of the car, and they say, the woman, he says, Hello, my name is Selina. You probably have never seen any of my concerts, but I am no longer a musician. As a matter of fact, I am much, uh, I'm far more involved now into Heaven's Store. As a matter of fact, Mr. Weeby was working for me until his recent disappearance. Would you like to hear more about what's going on? Remember, she says, gesturing sweetly and rubbing her palm ac- across the seat of his F-150. Tutti frutti. Wait a second. I think that's the woman that everybody's been looking for. Sal- Sal- uh, Selena? Oh my goodness, I've already said it once. Yeah, said Mad Dog. Yeah, that's JJ's boy. <laughs> Thank you guys very much for joining us on this wonderful uh, ex- uh, excursion into the worlds of kids on bikes. Uh, I have been your host and your game master, Caleb Cleveland. You can find me at Caleb is Drawing on all your friendly social medias. Joining me this evening as Mike Cochran is Dave Wright. Uh, Dave, where can people find you? You can find me on all channels on uh, The Right Dave. The W-R-I-G-H-T, Dave. Beautiful. And uh, Joe Camacho as the uh, ineffable, the unstoppable, the totally quick on his feet and quick on his, quick in his, uh, quick in his, uh, what's the thing that you do with your brain? Thoughts. There you go. (laughs) The amazing uh, Harrison Kunth. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at HotCop69, being blown out of my mind that selena is part of heaven's door that totally took me for a spin there now it should be hall cop 69 though just a suggestion (laughs) just a suggestion if i if i can figure out how to do that i will do that (laughs) ladies gentlemen everyone in between thank you so much for joining us this evening this has been kids on bikes awful neutral thank you so much and we'll see you again soon bye everybody thank you
Hello, this is Pat coming to you live from my new American home basement. With me today is my goat head. Say hello, goat head. Can you hear goat head? Some might not believe that is goat head and think that is me touching the fourth wall, but it is goat head. Today, I have been tasked to read a list of people who give us money. This is called Patreon. Because apparently you live in country where you have such wealth and you have nothing to do with your money that you give it to people who live in basement and record and talk to themselves while playing with dungeons and dragons. This makes sense. The first person we have is Malleus Varmintum. Where I come from, Varmintum is over-the-counter fake tums. You know, for stomach ache, but it's not good. No, sometimes it make you go poo-poo in pants, so you only do as last resort. Next we have Lindsay Taylor. A girl with two first names would definitely win beauty contest in my hometown and would be winner of next gold hip. Next we have Rick Turpin. I once thought I got a bag of Turpins, but they were turnips and they were rotten. Mr. J. Baker. But are you a baker? It is not okay to have baker name if you do not bake. Lynette DeBell. Where I come from, that is curse word. So DeBell to you too. Jessica Oldbeer? Old Why would you have old beer? What are you doing wasting beer? Drink it already. Then we have Rebecca Throp. Mm, that's what happens when you have the bad tums. You throw up. We have Chris Wall trip. Nah, I have many friends who trip over wall while trying to leave home country. We have torso full of bees. I had a cousin who had that condition. It did not end well. We have Matthew R. Why don't you have a last name, Matthew? I don't like that. I think Matthew was a spy. We have Quezon Escobido. That's definitely a foreign name. Probably also spy. Why do we have so many spies? I swear I am here on legitimate visa for my education. Christopher Skelton. I know that name. I have the man in my home country who run the graveyard. His last name's Skelton. Because they're skeletons. We don't put much creativity into our names. Natasha your grain. Hey, Natasha. You'll definitely have family from old country. Here's some vodka for you. Chance Dyson. Dyson. Oh, like the vacuum cleaner. You must be good. Very clean. We have Fred the Milano. Is this the Milano cookie? Are you the heir to the Milano riches? Where I come from? I save for a whole year just to have one Milano cookie. I bet you'll have swimming pool of cookies. Dwayne Donovan. Also, another person who clearly has money if they have a car in their name. Hector Angolo. Hector Angolo. Is that an angel? Are you an angel, Hector? Just here to give us free money? I don't understand this concept. AJ Kurosaki. AJ. Where's the rest of your name, AJ? 
Your name cannot just be two letters. There has to be more syllables. You are trying to do nicknames. No nicknames here. The last person that we have is Damien is gay. That makes sense. I, I totally makes sense to me now. I don't know why it took you so long to come out, Damien. It's okay. We accept you here. I mean, if we were back in home country, you'd definitely be dead for this, but you are here, and you should be very thankful that you live in country full of freedom, where you have right to be gay. And you have riches, where you can just give money to people in basement who record imaginary games in their heads. This is such an amazing country. Well, if you want to join our list, you can also go to patreon.com and give us money for doing things like this. Sitting in a basement while you hold on to your goat head. <laughs>